This is the Persons of Interest podcast, diving into careers, personal stories, life lessons, and more, featuring interviews with interesting people doing interesting things. And now, here's your host, Derek Dockett. Shelby Hild, how are you doing? Hello, I'm great. How are you doing? It's been a while. It has. Although, I mean, we text often. It's not like we're we're not in touch. It's... I don't think we've probably like actually been in this sort of session since like, COVID. Like we were doing those happy hours with like, oh, Daniel yeah. and Kristen and yeah, yeah. God, it's been a while. It really has. But time, I feel like time has gone by so fast since then. Like I don't know. It's three years later, and, and it's just crazy. And I think we're both like two, maybe. One. No, two different jobs since then, actually. I think yeah. both of us, maybe. <laughs> yeah. How are you enjoying Texas? I love it. Call me crazy. The heat, it's just a different heat here. So I always tell people like 100 degrees is no different than 120. So might as well just sit here and bake. But I love Texas. I feel like, I don't know, somebody that's always grown up in the Midwest, it's kind of like scary to go somewhere different, but... I could live in Texas the rest of my life. I will say I'm envious of you of that because you that's what you've done that I haven't done is actually not be afraid to get up and move wherever it takes you. I guess I should probably give you the proper introduction for those that don't know as we're just sitting here talking. We're just catching up. It's fine. <laughs> we're just catching up, which is probably what this one will mostly be. But uh, I'm talking with Shelby Hill. Shelby and I have known each other for years, going back since she was an intern at the Missouri Valley Conference when I worked, when she was a student at Maryville University. So we have some common friends. She's a director of communications now at Baylor University, right? Look at that. Yeah. See, <laughs> she's, she's, you can't see because I only do video, but she's in her green. She's representing. And we were just talking about Texas. It's a different kind of heat than it is. I guess St. Louis or where you're from in uh, central Illinois, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. It, it, It's going well so far with the sports season kicking off. Yeah, I feel like it's crazy where, you know, you get to summer and I feel like in sports, you don't ever really get a summer, Like you have to actually create your summer. Um, And so it's uh, every time the 4th of July rolls around, once it's over, like, all right, it's over. It's time to focus on another school year. But um, yeah, it's been good. But you're used to this now. I mean, you're now. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let's, I'm working backwards. See, let's see how much of a friend I am. I'm going backwards. <laughs> okay. Baylor, mm-hmm. Texas A&M. Yep. Illinois State. Yep. <laughs> UMKC. Mm-hmm. Missouri State. Yep. In the Valley. Yep. Okay. I'm a good friend. Yeah, you're a great friend. I was like, oh, no. I'm like, don't trip up on Illinois State. No, I wasn't going to forget Illinois State. I was because obviously, well, and there's common people there too. Mike, my, my, as I call him, MC Willie. It's good people there, but yeah, no, I know you were there for forever, but you might have, you might've worked the hardest there too. I mean, Illinois State's a different beast with Steph Lottie. I don't know. I don't know if people understand a lot of sports there, like gymnastics yeah. and, and a lot of football. good sports. Like they're very competitive across the board. So 
you can't be like, oh, that's a smaller sport, you know, whatever. No, they're competing for championships every year. So definitely a lot of work. Yeah. All right. So let's go backwards now because I'm curious. When you come to the Valley, highly recommended by my friend who I haven't done a podcast with in over a year, your former uh, mentor and teacher, Daniel and, and mm-hmm. Jason, both good guys over at Maryville University. And you come in, you work the women's tournament, and you stay to do working on sports and do communications there. And it's easy to say you're probably one of the better interns because you actually applied yourself and did the work. We laugh about it now for different reasons, which I won't mention. Yeah. We, but me and you both know why, because yeah. we've had the conversation. <laughs> but you've been doing this for a while and you're sticking yeah. with it. Like, you, have you, be honest with me. Have you ever had the temptation of, is it just different spots or has getting out of, out of sports communications and college athletics ever crossed your mind? I mean, it has, but I think it's been different seasons of my life, like what I've gone through. So kind of going back to the Valley, I mean, honestly, Mike Kern asking me one day, Hey, do you want to try this media relations thing? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like whatever. I had no idea this world existed. I had no idea like that this was a career. Like I knew obviously like, Mike at the Valley did it, you know, and and you had your hand in it and Kristen, but like I never knew that it was an actual career. And so really I think about it, uh, there's a time and a season for everything. And so honestly, one of my hardest chapters was at Illinois State because, you know, I'm there three and a half years towards the end of my stay there, it's COVID. So it's just totally different. Sports look different. The way we do things looks different. And I really thought to myself, is it worth it? Is the long hours worth it? Is missing out on, you know, life events worth it? But I was living at home or close to home. I was still, you know, I had a really good group of friends. I loved the people I worked with. So I really started thinking like, okay, have I outgrown sports or have I just outgrown being of volleyball, softball, swimming, SID at Illinois State. And so I really took like an internal dive of, okay, what, you know, what is it? What's causing me to feel this way of wanting to get out? And it's a whole God thing, honestly, from start to finish. I'll give you the condensed version. No, that's good. That's good. I just, I feel like the, so the spring of 2021 is when we started up sports again. So we were off all the fall of 2020. And so you've got 17 sports going on at once. And so you're just kind of like running around chicken with your you know, head cut off. Yeah. So that April, we had hosted the Valley Volleyball Championship. And unfortunately, we win the championship at Illinois State. I get pulled into our event manager's office. I'm told that my uncle is no longer living, but that uncle lived in Texas. And so, okay, so, you know, haven't talked to this uncle in years. But, you know, I have to go to Texas for services, all this stuff. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, Texas. So then a couple months go by, I get invited down to Texas for the 4th of July. So, okay, I come down to Dallas, see my friends for the 4th of July and don't think anything of it. So this is the point in my career where I'm like, what do I do? What am I doing? And then I get a DM saying, hey, we have this job open up at Texas A&M. Would you be interested? So it just kept, everything kept leading towards Texas. And at yeah. the time I was like praying, I was like, God, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. 
I was applying to jobs in sports, out of sports, but Texas kept being the common denominator. And so it was just so cool because, I mean, I interviewed with Texas A&M. It was nine minutes. I was like, I blew it. Like, I really blew it. But then they called me right back and they're like, hey, we want you on campus. My on-campus interview, I was never nervous. So it's just like, really, I knew Texas was where I was supposed to go. And unfortunately, I had just outgrown Illinois State. There was no really, you know, opportunity for me to grow up or go up from there. And so it, it was literally get out of sports or, or move on. And so, yeah, that's kind of how that whole, I know that kind of answered the question and kind of no, not you're good. feel like it was really listening to, okay, have I outgrown the job itself or have I just outgrown where I'm at? And I think that's so important. And that happens. I've been oh, through yeah. it myself. I mean, I don't think people realize you don't leave jobs just because you don't always hate the people you work with. You don't always leave jobs because of, you know, a situation or person. Sometimes it's just you. It's just yeah. like something you've got to do for yourself. Case in point, I am still very connected with the people of the Valley. I'm still very connected with people I've had at past jobs. And, and that goes the same because I didn't leave those jobs because of the people I left. I needed to make a switch because I needed something that was more challenging in my case for switching. I may still be at the Valley now how I not, you know, accidentally popped into the school district thing. And because it was a different challenge. And I knew I was like, man, the only thing that was a negative was the oh. travel. But I enjoyed that work and I enjoyed yeah. those people. When you got to Maryville. Say, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just always say if you're not being challenged, you're not growing. So why would right. I want to be somewhere where I'm not going to grow? Because eventually you get tired, you get bored, you get cranky, all of the things start yeah. setting in. And so it's like, why would I want to be miserable when I can actually go be challenged, grow somewhere else, you know, it, and continue to stay connected with those people? Because like you said, it's not that I hated the people. Right. I just was done with what I had learned, everything I could learn in that position. Yeah. Um, speaking of learn, when you got to Maryville and you're in the sports business uh, chain of classes. Yeah. I know sponsorship and everything around the business of sports is, is, is what Daniel and Jason are teaching those students there and taught you. Did you know sports communication was going to be the thing or were you just looking for the opportunity? Yeah. I didn't know. Like I mentioned earlier, I had no idea this was even a career. Yeah. Um, okay, stop right there. What yeah. did you think? What did you think you wanted to do when you were a student at Maryville then? What did you think you wanted to do? I wanted to work in pro sports. I didn't so really didn't... know what that looked like. Okay. I just, I knew being a big sports fan, I was like, I want to work in the pros. But I had no idea. Like, when I tell you, I had no idea what that looked like or what jobs were out there what kind of job title would yeah. I look for? Because I didn't even know sports management was a, a major. I literally Googled sports majors and found it. So like, when I tell you I had no idea what I was doing, I had zero clue. See, I'm learning something here. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yep, yep, yep. So, okay, because I was not never a sports, I, was, I never took classes like that. I was graphic design. Yeah. And working in sports for me became just something different and accidental. I'm not going to go in my background. I mean, maybe I should, because I don't know if you even, you even know. I worked in a marketing agency, an advertising agency, then the, actually two, two stops at two different yeah. marketing agencies, back to one of the previous ones, then the Valley in 2010. And I, t you know, I say this ad nauseum to people, the longest job I've ever had, eight years yeah. there, and, and loved it. Yeah. A, because I'm a Missouri State guy, but B, I love college basketball, and I knew about the Valley, and I'm 
see at born and raised in St. Louis. So of course I'm aware of oh, yeah. March Madness. So, but I didn't know that you needed to go to school to be a sports marketer or they are actually specific classes. That wasn't a thing that yeah. I picked up on. So I sort of feel like I've missed out a little bit because, Hey, I'm super interested when I hear Jason and Daniel t talk about the things that, you know, they're, they're teaching kids and I follow their Twitter account or their X account, whatever yeah. you want to well, call it now. It's, it's always Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll call it, we'll keep it at that then of what their, what their, their kids are doing and actually going out on site, going to events and working them like you did at the Valley, yeah. going to working Arch Madness. You know, I think you, the first thing was for you was the women's tournament, right? Like you were like in charge oh, yeah. of. Yeah. Well, it was me and one other kid were up for the internship my junior year because I transferred in my junior year. So I already okay. fell behind. I had zero experience. I had no idea what I was doing. Whatever. Back to the whole no clue what I want to do. <laughs> and I just remember feeling like I was so far behind and they were like, you need an internship. So the Valley one opened up again, loved college basketball. I was like, yeah, sure. And it was to market the women's basketball tournament when it was still in St. Charles. And so it was like, you know, connecting with the community, getting people to come out, kids, whatever. Um, I didn't get the internship my first year because the other kid had really before. Yeah. I don't even remember that at all. Yeah. So I didn't get it the first year. I was okay with it, though, because Kelly Briscoe had told me she's like, come volunteer at the tournament this year. And then next year, the internship's yours. So I was like, all right, shoot, <laughs> we'll do it. And yeah, so. Man, I don't volunteer. remember that at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, good thing you did. And you stuck around. And yeah. like I said, you, that being a volunteer became being a regular intern. And you, you actually had sport responsibilities. So. And it was, um, it was so crazy how it all worked out because it was like, y'all needed the help. I was only in class yeah. two days a week. I graduated. And this is still my favorite part of the story to tell. So I graduate in May, but track went until the middle of June. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it <laughs> for free. Do remember that. I was like, yeah, I'll stick around for another month and a half. But I, in the time doing that, I wasn't applying to jobs. I was just like, yeah, I was just living life. Yes. Yeah, so my parents are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but you but you figured it out and then you end up I figured it out going to grad I, school at Missouri State. Yeah, because Rick Kindheart, love him to pieces. He's been in Missouri State literally forever. Yeah. When I was done in the Valley, I emailed everybody that I ever talked to. And I was like, hey, so it's my last week. I've loved working with you. If you ever need anything, let me know. And Rick emails back, so what's next? And I was like, perfect time to tell you that I don't have a job and I'm living in my parents' basement. <laughs> I basically gave him that version of it. And he's like, well, have you thought about grad school? And I had gone down to Missouri State with Kelly. She went down with me to check it out. But I went down to Missouri State, got accepted to grad school, and moved to Springfield in three weeks. Look at you. That, it was wild. So, so you may not know this, my Missouri State story. Yeah. Of when I was a high school senior, hadn't kind of sort of knew that I was going, I knew I was going to college, but I didn't exactly have it nailed down the fall of my senior year. It's like, all right, I got to get this figured out. You know, I took the ACT and did okay, whatever and just sent letters and I actually was getting stuff back. And yeah. when you're, you know, when you're a eighth grader, freshman, you're like, I'm going to school at North Carolina, Duke and Kansas. Cause you know, I love college basketball. And these are the places where I want to go to college. Yep. Even though I'm not an athlete, this is where I'm you quickly learn about these things called tuition and in-state fees and yep. what it costs to go to college. And then all school fees. I'm thinking, okay, I, I am going to college, but I'm probably not going to North Carolina. I'm probably not going to Duke. 
Kansas, for some reason, was still on the table. And I think because okay. they sent me stuff and I had qualified for some for some scholarships. But then after going like the, the college visitors coming to uh, my high school, Southeast Missouri State became an option. This school in Springfield, known as Southwest Missouri State at the time, became an yeah. option. And of course, University of Missouri Columbia. I knew I was wanting to do something with art. Like I didn't know if specifically it was going to be graphic design, but I knew I wanted to do something with art. Commercial art became this thing that my art teacher in high school said, you, you would love it. I bet you, you like to do this thing. You do a lot of magazine, billboard, that kind of stuff, you know, advertising, yada, yada, yada. So, all right, I look and see who's got decent programs for that. And CMO's okay. Kansas still rises to the top. Yeah. And then I like put that on my mind thinking, what can I afford? Because I haven't been planning this exactly the right way. Yeah. Uh, and so... I talked to this person from the school in Springfield and I get offered the opportunity to apply for a minority student scholarship. And long story short, I get it. So I'm like, well, if they're giving me money, I guess I'm going to school there. So it, it got to the point where Kansas was sending me the like the housing book to oh choose my like my dorm and everything. And I had actually select sent in the actual like application for enrollment yet. Like, it was just like I had, had expressed so much interest. They're just like, yeah. yeah, send this in and we'll send that in and we'll get this going. I had never made a visit there. I just kept expressing interest and I actually talked to one person. I think she took my info and just sent passing this information to me in the mail. Yeah. Meanwhile, I did the stuff for Missouri State, South Missouri State. Got got it like nailed down that I got this money and was like, well, if they're giving me money, Kansas, I've got to pay my way. Yeah. And oh, look at that. Look at the price difference between in-state and out-of-state. And at the time, this might blow your mind. And this also dates myself how old I am. Uh -huh. 1997, the fall uh -huh. of 1997, Southwest Missouri State was $93 a credit hour for in-state. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was $128 for out-of-state. So yeah. That's so, yeah, it was, so cheap. It, it's, it's what's known as a quality value education. So that that wow. became that 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 put that to bed, and I supposed to sent everything and got it done, but I never made a visit. I never made a visit until huh. the Friday before classes start, and I we go down at you know we drive leave St. Louis at six in the morning because yeah. at nine o'clock in Glass Hall I have to take a placement test for English and math. Oh my gosh. So I do that and I get placed in like math 135, English 110, which is the, the regular basic freshman level yeah. math and English classes. And I get a jacked up schedule made that same like dip morning. Meanwhile, my oh family's my moving me into Freddie, the, the dorms at Missouri yeah. State, while I'm taking the test. I get done. I go back to Freddie to get my room key. They've set up my room. They're, they're already on the road back to St. Louis. Oh my gosh. So that's how I ended up. That's how I started my college life in Springfield. Wow. The Friday before classes started and then the following Monday is when classes started. So that's how it was for me. So quick, Wild. quick turnaround. Yeah. And it, yeah. but it worked out. Like I said, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Some, some ways, not as much now as I was a few months ago, years ago, but an involved alum. People know I talk about Missouri State all the time. So, but it, I loved it. Like a school that I picked, a school that I oh, yeah. got the most out of and teachers that to this day I still tell people like that's not how my graphic design teacher yeah. told me how to do it and I tell people that so it worked out it worked <laughs> out so it worked out for you too yeah. and 
Rick is That's a great awesome. guy. So it's funny yeah. you say that because he's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Does a lot. He, I don't, you, did you know his background before yeah. Missouri State? He worked for the uh, Missouri State High School Athletic Association. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's he's been around not just in in at Missouri State as where he was a student, but he's been doing yeah. doing that line of work for a long time. So one of the best. And he's just he was so awesome too because I feel like. I don't know, I've had a really good mentors, especially from the Valley, like schools in general, yeah. but like Rick, family guy, Mike Williams, family guy, like that yes. was just so important to me because Springfield was the furthest I was from home, like yeah. in my life. And so, yeah, it was only six hours, but it was like, it was so important that I was surrounded by family people. And so like just very, very quality men in Mike Williams and Rick Kindhart. Yeah. And you were still in the Valley too. So that, that, that. Oh Yeah. I mean, the whole reason I've been in the valley. You pick all of my stops at the valley. That's my longest tenure. It's being in valley schools, valley positions. So. Yeah. So, the switch to UMKC. Yeah. Were you ready for that? Do you think at the time, was it just oh uh-huh. here's a job I got to take it, or was it like I'm I'm applying I'm applying? Was it jump at the first bit, or was it a you know? So it was the second job that I had applied for an interview tour. The first job, I won't give much detail on other than it was in the west southwestern part of the country, middle of nowhere. And they were only going to pay me about $22,000. And my dad said, are you seriously considering it? But it was the second semester of my second year of grad school. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do job-wise. And so anyway, long story short, didn't get offered the job, was not upset I didn't get offered that job. But UMKC came into the picture and it was February of my last year of grad school. And so I was always told, you know, January, February, March, start applying places because by the time the process goes, you know, whatever. But UMKC wanted somebody to start immediately. And after talking to Rick, I think I I think back on it and I really did kind of screw them over because I left in the middle of basketball season and I was, I don't remember that. Really? Yeah. I kind of feel bad about it, (laughs) but I talked to Casey Hunt, who's the SWA at Missouri state and her and I, she was just a really good mentor to me and she still is, but she told us like, or she told me, she's like, look, you're in one grad school class. You graduate in May. She's like, we will continue to pay for this class so you can finish your degree. But she's like, you've got to take the full-time job because she's like, unfortunately, at the end of your, you know, GA position, we don't have a job for you. Right. So it'd be no so much for us to say, don't take it. So I learned a lot in my year at UMKC. For those of you that don't know, it was a very short year, but basically I showed up as an assistant director. My boss left three months later. I was alone all summer. Instead of or once school started, the next school year, they had promoted me to director. But they said, hey, we can't fill your assistant director position. You're getting an unpaid GA. And when I tell you any work that's unpaid in Kansas City, it is so hard to live in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not making money. And so it was just a lot. Like, I think, was I ready? Maybe for some of it. But you didn't see but, the promotion coming either, though. That just, that was correct. the boss leaving. Like, that, that just happened. Yeah, like that kind of fell on my lap. I I can tell you right now, I was not ready to be a director at 24. I think I had so much more to learn. I mean, thankfully, my experience at Missouri State taught me a lot and I felt like I had learned a lot. 
But when you walk into a small division one school and a major market where you're fighting for media coverage with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals, like you're not getting it. You don't have a lot of resources and sports, quite frankly, like there's no football. Yeah. And so like your major soccer, your basketballs, it's just really, really hard there. And so I don't think I was ready for the director position, but in my year there, like when I was there, it was a horrible year. Like I just think I was stressed out. I was living far from work. So I was a 30 minute commute each way. I had a really good friend group there. So that was awesome. But staffing, like you've got all these home events, you don't really have a staff, you're spread thin, your expectations are high. But looking back at it, it taught me so much and I don't think I would do it any other way. Like I said, I I was getting to the point of asking about what you what you brought up in terms of your boss leaving and you being thrust into the director position specifically from the reason of and I don't know if this is something you dealt with, but. You you said it all. That's a tough, tough gig, not from the standpoint that the work is hard, but what the I don't know what the expectations are for there. Is it are you trying to get attention? Yeah. I don't know if you, you know, have a team that's succeeding. You're trying to get the media to actually come out and cover because doing there's one thing to do the job. And then there's another way to do the job properly yeah. and do the job well. And I think people would say the people yeah. that do the job well, they not only do the day to day stuff really well, but they also have time to pitch stories, get the media out, get positive news out, good things on social digital media. And you don't have a team like Illinois State has a video team and, you know, a creative person. You're doing it all. So from that standpoint, that's not easy. Yeah. And it's hard because it's how do you tell one team yes and another team no? Right. Because arguably one of our most successful, I mean, we swept the outdoor championships for the WAC for track and field when I was there. So I got two rings out of them in the year, which was awesome. There you go. But I mean, our next successful team at the time was women's golf. Yeah. So it was like, I give the golf program more attention than the basketball that pays the bills. Yeah. Like it was just such a learning curve for me. And it was, it was hard leaving. Like I, like I said, I loved the people there, but I knew once the job opened up at Illinois State, I was moving home. I was, you know, I was going to be well supported. I was back in the valley, which is like really what I wanted. A comfort zone. A comfort it was zone. a comfort zone. It was, yeah. And I was still so young in my career. I knew even being in a director title, at, you know, director position at 24, it just wasn't, it wasn't what it was going to be at an Illinois state. It wasn't what it was going to be at a Missouri state. So I just needed to part ways, which was fine. If if you were looking back at the time at UMKC, one takeaway that was a lesson learned. Again, we mm-hmm. just said you were you didn't go in there thinking that you were going to be the director, and it was a short year, but it was challenging. When you look back on that, something that you're like, okay, don't get yourself into this situation, or hey, it's okay to say no, or it's know your limit. What's one lesson that you take away from your time at UMKC? It's a really great question. I mean, it kind of taught me how I want to lead and how I want to be led. Like, I really think it taught me a lot about leadership and what that takes, but what that looks like. Like, how do I work with other people? What types of personalities do I work best with? I just think that when you're such a small staff across the board, like the whole external, you know, unit was small. You just, 
you know, you work with different people, but it's the same people all the time. And so I think really the biggest lesson was how do I want to be led? And then how can I lead others? I like it. I like it. All right. So this isn't just a Shelby Hill career uh, retrospective, but I'm curious because out of nowhere, I see that you'd start jumping in and you get super involved in COSIDA, which has now changed its name to College Communicators. Yes, see. There you go. College Sports Communicators. All right. Yes. See, I know she, she, you're super involved. Are, are you on a committee of any kind this yes, year? Yes. You, so all right, how I, are you involved? Okay. So I'll tell you everything. So I got involved. I'll kind of go back. So when I was at Missouri State, Rick, obviously, Kindheart was huge in COSIDA, now CSC. So I got involved in the Job Seekers Committee, and I was just a committee member. I was like, I just want to be involved. You know, what does that entail? And job seekers for a long time was just like, hey, we're going to meet at convention. And if you have a job posting, you can come. You can give like a five-minute elevator pitch. And then if anybody's interested in a new job, they can kind of come in here. And then it kind of building that connection at convention. So I was like, yeah, shoot. Like, I'll get involved. Fast forward to now. I'm the chair of the committee. Look at you. Uh, so basically, we just do a lot more now than we used to. And so a lot of it is making those connections throughout the year, getting involved in different webinars, but really just trying to connect job holders and job seekers to one another and, you know, helping people fill positions that they have on campus. I find it kind of weird because I don't, not that you were an intro, I don't, you're definitely not an introvert. You, you, you you like to talk, you get out and socialize with people, but I don't, okay. I, I never saw you, is, this, hold on. I never saw you being disinvolved in something like that. I think what I've learned in the time since I haven't worked directly with you is that you actually yeah. like giving back. Is yes. that is that yes. accurate? Is that the thing? Yes. And I will say being so when I was in college, I was kind of introverted at the beginning, I would say. But I love building relationships with people like that. That is my bread and butter. Like, I, I think that's why I like communication so much is because I get to build relationships with student athletes and coaches and just people in the industry. So it's really brought me out of my shell. Believe it or not, I used to be in a little shell. And now I'm not anymore. Because like you said, I don't shut up. Anybody that knows me now, I love to talk. But yeah, like I think it's just crazy because I like giving back because I feel like I always thought giving back was a monetary donation or giving back right. is always a hassle. But in my opinion, like if I can help lead the next generation or help you know, help mentor people or whatever that looks like. like. That brings me so much joy because I feel like working in sports can be such a draining career. And so it's like, well, how can I give back? And honestly, it's just giving back my time and my energy. Yeah. And it kind of fills my cup again. It just reminds me of why I do it. So honestly, it's kind of self-fulfilling, but it's also fulfilling for other people too. That's fine. It's it's, it's okay for it to be self-fulfilling because that's the same way for me when I got involved with Missouri State Alumni Association that, hey, I ain't got a lot of money to give you right now because I know that's what they always ask for. But I'm like, I've yeah. got some time. I got some skills and I have, you know, yeah. things that I can use that might be of a, uh, an asset that could help further, you know, this mission or advocate for this that I support. So I, yeah. I get it. Same reasoning. Same reasoning. So, OK, I didn't think we'd go this long, but wow, you, you really can talk. I literally can. I, 
I'm here all day. <laughs> so no, no, you're good. You're good. I don't have too much for, more for you, but I'm curious good. now between A&M and, uh -huh. and Baylor, those are drastically different schools than UMKC, Missouri State, Illinois State. I know we haven't talked a whole lot about Illinois State, but you mentioned that you know, you, you learned a lot. It was a good time. I guess we did talk yeah. a little bit about Illinois State and yeah. just you had a good friend group there. I know people that you're still connected with now. I married um, a couple of them. You married, you've married some people. Yep. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but drastically different places. And I'm curious about the difference because you're looking at someone that's only worked at the Valley in college athletics. I had my eight year run and I got out. You've yeah. seen a lot of different things in different places. I don't want you to compare them. That's not what yeah. I want you to do right now. I want you to take in consideration the things you've done at each career stop. Oh, and for someone that thinks, man, this this place isn't for me. You know, what you had at, at Illinois State, the growth, what advice you would give them to say for them to figure out if it's for them or not? Because I think everyone has an aspiration of what they think they want to do. It may or may not be right. I think you found you you had a good run at AM and then Baylor popped up out of nowhere. I know the college sports communicators have a an award called the Rising Star. I don't know if you've ever been a finalist for it or been on the ballot or anything. I but, haven't. But but here's the thing like yeah. you don't go from those places without getting the attention of someone. Because yeah. unless you're just like drastically applying, applying, applying to have those opportunities pop up your way is, is a thing. Even if you are applying and to get the jobs, that's also a thing because you have to have the experience. But if you were to tell someone that's maybe treading water, maybe mm -hmm. thinking I need to make a move or do I really need to make a move? What have you learned in those stops? I know we talked about UMKT, you, you, you had your challenges there, but a long run at, at Illinois State, you know, you got to A&M and you're like, well, this is a different world because I know we've had that conversation Yeah. and Baylor even a different world. But yeah, how are those worlds different? This is the advice I always give. If the culture's good, don't risk leaving no. because when I tell you I've been so fortunate to be in really good cultures, like so good. The grass is not always greener. Like the grass isn't always greener in the SEC. The grass isn't always greener in the Big 12. The grass isn't always greener in the Missouri Valley Conference. You know what I mean? But if the culture's good, stay. Like that is my number one tip. Second, because then you're probably like, well, then why didn't you stay at A&M? When I talked about the volleyball, softball, swimming SID role at Illinois State, mm -hmm. I was volleyball, softball at A&M. So when I was thinking, oh, I've outgrown this, this, you know, part of the SID world, right? When I left Illinois State, I got to AM. I had the same challenges with that kind of setup. Okay. More resources, right? So a softball trip at Illinois State, I'd leave on Wednesday morning and get back at midnight on Sunday and do that for four straight weeks. At AM, I hop on the charter flight. We fly to where we're playing. We turn around, we come back. Again, I think it was, I was still an assistant director. There was no director position, you know, or no way to move up people at AM, like when you love AM and you love that culture, you stay. Like you don't leave. And so a promotion was going to be very hard. And like you said, I wasn't really looking for Baylor. Like I was only at AM for a year. And so honestly, again, a God thing moving me to Texas, but what an even cooler move to come to Baylor who's 
you know, a private Christian university who's, you know, one of their pillars is our Christian mission. And so it's just really cool to kind of see how God worked. I don't get this job unless I have the A&M job. And I don't get the A&M job unless I have the Illinois State job. And I don't get that. You know, it's yeah. it's all connected because yeah. every position I've been at, I've known somebody or I've known somebody that's known somebody. Like that's how the Baylor position opened up was just my boss <laughs> contacted one of his guys he worked with at Kentucky and said, hey, are you interested? He's interested. He said, no, you should talk to Shelby. And I knew him through SEC softball. And so it's just so cool to see how interconnected this industry is. And I think that's part of why I get involved in CSC as well. We're here to help each other and help each other grow. So I feel like if people feel like they're stuck, are you putting yourself out there? Are you looking at other opportunities? Or are you just kind of like moping around and saying, or me? I ain't going to lie. You sound a little Texas right now. I say y'all a lot now, too. Okay. thing was howdy. So I started every email howdy. So anyway. That's that's not how anybody from Missouri or Illinois talks, Shelby. I know, but it, you just, you got to ingrain I'm giving yourself you trouble. culture. I'm giving you trouble. I'm yeah. giving you trouble. You've grown up. You've grown up in the... Uh, but isn't that wild? Gosh. Like, I've known you for 10 years. What is this? Twenty twenty. Oh yeah, twenty. Was it thirteen ish? Yep, the fall of thirteen. That's kind of nuts. That's kind of nuts. Man, yeah. time flies. Yeah, you're like a kid. You're kind of like a little sister. It's kind of weird. Well, it's kind of true because I, I think I think people know that when you when you connect with someone, you tend you know when you have things in common, you want to see them succeed. You want to share advice. We've sort of had that. And yeah. I tease you. I think you know. Yes. I mean, heck, I, I I tease about you to other people. I'm like, she knows. Right. I would I would say this to her to her face. So I'm like, yeah, there's <laughs> nothing not, nothing that's not a surprise. But it's good to see that you've been able to sort of figure these things out on your own. Because I know there at one yeah. at one point you're like, hey, what do you think about this? Well, this is what I would do, but I'm not you. You've got to weigh these yeah. options, and you got to do what's best for you. Um, and I feel like I, that's the people, best piece of like it's one of those. Like, I feel. As individuals, we're so used to just like leaning on other people. But at the end of the day, the only person- And that's fine. And it's fine. But I feel like at the end of the day, the yeah. only person that you can truly count on, whether they're your best friend or a stranger, is you. And so yes. it's like, I love that feedback from you of like, well, this is what I would do, but it's literally your decision. Because even I still use that. I love seeking advice from people, but I'm also like, okay, but it is my life. So what do I right, want? Yeah. I have no idea what you're doing down there in Texas and who you're hanging out with and what you're doing and what you're eating because that's your life. But if yeah. it were me, I'd be in bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> I was last night. So, <laughs> you know what? I've, I don't, I don't, don't even get the opportunity to say that often, but you have actually made me pretty proud because I don't oh, think I, I, I definitely didn't have, I, I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the, the want to, to like go to, like I said, move about and do this for jobs. My family is all here. So the, the courage to just up and do this for jobs and do what works. But like I said, you have no problem going out, making friends and, you know, <laughs> becoming, you know, intertwined in whatever area that you're living and making it work. That's part of it. That's part of it. So but I feel having like a level a kid, of comfort to do that matters. I feel like as a kid, though, I was such a homebody. Like sleepovers across the street gave me anxiety. Like I hated doing it. It's really? just one of those. That, oh, yeah. Like I would call my parents and fake sick so I could go home because I hated it so bad. But it's crazy because like my sister is 
the type of person where she was a homebody. She stayed home. She didn't go out. But now that I look, I'm the total opposite. I was the homebody. And now I'm the one that's like, I'm okay if I don't go home, which sounds awful. But I'm like, if my parents are healthy, my grandmother's fine, my sister's fine and her family, there's no sense of me to stay home because I know someday somebody's going to call me and I'm going to need to move home to take care of people. So it's like, I might as well, while I'm young, go out and experience everything. There you go. There you go. That's, I think that's a good way to wrap this one up. Um, I appreciate you doing this. I know, uh, I, again, tease you because I think you're the one that actually sent me the text of, boy, yeah. I'd love to be a person of interest, but I know. Uh, then I said, actually, I have a short list and I just kind of like, what am I going to talk to her about? But yeah. it's, it's a catch up session. And I think this is a really good conversation for people to realize, A, you can make out of, again, I think I've said before, the intro of this podcast says it's personal stories from people about their life and how they've made do and how they found successes and managed. Um, that's how this whole thing started. So I think this is a, a telltale episode for persons of interest. So I think it'll be hopefully uh, eye-opening for some people that know you uh, to listen to this, but also for those that don't, that they get some sort of level of, you know, I don't know if inspiration is the right word, but just it's okay to figure this out on the fly and nothing will ever be perfect. And to jump around for a year to find out what works and what doesn't work. No. And that's the way life works sometimes. And I still don't have it figured out. So you don't know what you want to do when you grow up yet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now we, we know what you are because you got to get ready. You got Baylor's got all kinds of stuff getting ready to gear up. It's as we record August 29th and college football, we, we just had week zero, but week one is coming up. Yeah. And it's going to be the thick to fall before we know it. And you're going to be super busy. <laughs> yep. But I am super appreciative that you had me on, even though I begged you for it. <laughs> I'm glad I finally made the short list. But no, like I said, like sports is so cool because it's all about who you know. But what's even cooler is keeping up with people down the road. And it's not going to be an everyday thing and it's not going to be an every week thing. But like. Being able to right. pick up where you left off with people is so, that's the coolest part about what we do. Thanks for listening to this episode of Persons of Interest. This podcast is a personal project with the goal of sharing stories that might inspire others to create their own path. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have a guest suggestion, you can reach Derek on social media at ddocket. Thank you for listening to Persons of Interest.